0: wait, we can do whatever we want. And there really is no consequence. And if people are going to have that hurt of feelings for something that wasn't like malicious towards them, it's just a choice that maybe they would have done differently. Like that's, I'm not going to live my life around that. That's ridiculous. So it's just knowing that you don't have to take yourself so seriously will set you free.
1: Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, And I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be, rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed Podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit, to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, it's me, Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. I'm very excited today because if you're anything like me, the month of February is kind of a bluesy month for you. And since we're getting to the end of January, I thought there was no better time than to sit down with a burnout expert. This is my friend, Emily, who I met on TikTok, Uh, but I love all of the content she has ever shared around the fact that, there's so many of us that are living in a constant state of burnout. Now, Emily found herself burnt out after trying to keep up with a corporate job, uh, going to school full-time, and I found like I was burnt out after running my own business, trying to be a stay-at-home mom. Both of us found ourselves running low on energy, and we get to hear Emily's story and her best recommendations for how to recover from this kind of thing. Not to mention that there are are three different types of people who might fall into the burnout category. And one of them really surprised me. See if you can guess which one as you tune into today's episode. But if you, whether or not you are still in recovery mode from the holidays or you just wanna plan ahead, today's message is going to be absolutely amazing and helping remind you to slow down a little bit and give you practical tools for how to make that happen.
0: Hi, Emily. Hello, thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you face to face instead of just internet to internet.
1: I know, I'm, I'm really glad that we get to talk. I've been looking forward to this talk over like the Thanksgiving break and things like that. Uh, I'm really excited to dive in because I have loved seeing your TikTok videos. There's something that I relate to even though our stories are kind of different. Um, you, They always seem to speak to me and I always give them that little like, you know, I, I relate to them in so many ways. But for anyone who hasn't seen any of your videos or hasn't heard about you yet, do you want to give my listeners a quick
0: breakdown of who you are, what you do, and how you got here? Yeah, okay. I'll give you my background. So um, I am a burnout management coach, I have a business around burnout management. So I help busy professionals create work-life balance. And I got into that work because I got to a point where I was so burned out for years that I was looking forward to getting migraines. I was hoping to get sick so I could get a break, very open to getting in a minor accident so that I could just have a couple days off, which are huge burnout red flags that in retrospect, I really should have paid attention to. But um, I had to get to this point to recognize I have this deep exhaustion. I other Uh, professionals, because I'm still early early in my career, must be experiencing this, um, looked around, saw that they were also exhausted, but there was no clear solution for what I found out was burnout. Um, And so because I was getting why I was so exhausted is I was working full-time in corporate training and development. I was getting my master's degree, taking full-time night classes. um, And my master's is in industrial organizational psychology. And then I was commuting two to three hours a day and I was doing some part-time coaching. So I was doing all of these things. And I love the area of training and development, which is what I was working in and trying to get my master's to do and, um, or got my master's to do. And so once I saw this need, I decided I wanted to focus on it, create a bunch of resources around burnout that supported me first, then supported one-on-one clients I started working with and then evolved into just what my business is today. But it took getting to that desperate point of burnout to kind of dig my heels into this niche and so today i um have i post on social media um and then i offer trainings to corporations and work with individuals in a variety of ways and so that's how i present online and how i got into this work Um, and i just am excited to get to kind of shape that experience into a conversation that's helpful for people who want to minimize burnout in one way or another
1: yeah it's so huge all I can think is when you first started saying, you were like, I was hoping to get migraines. I was like, oh no, she slipped up. She said that wrong. And yeah. I'm like, no, you were hoping to get migraines. Yeah. I was like, these are worse. the worst.
0: They oh. are. Oh yeah. And now that I'm not burned out when I get a migraine, I understand how bad it must've been back then for me to be open to that, just to get, you know, a couple hours off.
1: Oh, that makes me so sad. But like, and that's where I feel like, so I'm. I'm going to have to ask you this part of my starting my, my minimalist journey and simplifying my life is because I felt so overwhelmed and I was a mom running my own photography business. So I wasn't necessarily in the corporate world like you, and I wasn't, you know, going to school and going for my master's and things. Um, but I got to this point where I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm just like constantly burnt out and never wanted a migraine. I hate migraines, but had those things like the idea of like Yeah. Like a minor car accident where you end up in the hospital. That's, they talk about that in a bad mom's movie. And it makes me laugh every time because it's so relatable. That idea of like, I could just relax and maybe someone would come serve me. And (laughs) she just kind of wanted that release. So my question is, if you've done all of this, like learning and understanding burnout more, is there kind of like a type of, Person that tends to hit because I, like I said, I wasn't in the corporate world, but it was like, I still created this way to burn out and exhaust myself just as, you know, a mom and a business owner.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, And photography, very surprisingly stressful business. Like you wouldn't think it's until you're in it. I know a lot of photographers who I see them and they're like editing dens and like I see how much goes into it. You don't know until you know. And it is actually very stressful for a lot of photographers. But um, I, so there are three Types of burnout. And, uh, the first is burnout by volume. And this is kind of what you're describing where you're the volume of responsibilities that you have, um, outweigh the amount of energy you have in a day. And you're just sprinting from thing to thing. A lot of times jumping between like you know, like in your case, probably like photographer mode into parent mode, photographer mode into parent mode, like onto the phone or like fielding something else from somebody that's coming in. Like you're, you're switching so much. The volume is so high that you end up experiencing burnout. And then there's social burnout, which is um, having more social demands than you have energy for. So a lot of times these people have stressful people in their lives or maybe a manager who over asks from them, um, or really needy friends and family who cross boundaries. That's social burnout. Um, and then there's burnout by boredom, which is when you are disengaged from your life for an extended period of time. You're not challenged and you kind of, uh, step back and you're just going through the motions of your life um and so those are the three main types of burnout that i see and that the one that you were describing again is that burnout by volume which is what a lot of people do to themselves and then learn quickly this volume is unsustainable something needs to change and that's when they make that change
1: yeah oh that's so cool i mean it's it sucks that's so, that's so sad to hear um, but I feel like I can relate to at least like the social one too. That's another thing I'm learning more. Um, like I hit a social limit mm-hmm. and because I've gone through and kind of set my boundaries with my time and how much I can manage, I think I'm quicker to recognize like, oh, I'm, I'm just needing to step back or take a break. Or there's certain scenarios where I'm kind of drained. Yeah. So you have a book coming out. Mm-hmm. Is this something, are those different areas, something you kind of dive into more in the book?
0: Yes. Um, I am so excited to have that because I feel like it's a one-stop shop. Um, I'm sure you've experienced this with media, but it's really hard to deliver things linearly and then keep them that way. Um, you, It's just, it, it. social media can feel like an info dump and there's no clear path. And as somebody who works in training and development, who loves a prescriptive kind of like I have a methodology. You would not know it from being online. So by reading the book, you can see there's the three types of burnout you need to know about. And then there are five pillars of burnout management, uh, which are the five areas that If you work on them and you use them together, then you can bolster yourself against burnout and protect yourself from it in the future. And that's mindset, time management, stress management, boundaries, and personal care. And so I go over each of those areas and just actual instructions, basically information and then application you can do to bolster it. And that's so hard to deliver online. So I'm so excited to get to put that down in one place.
1: I love that you say that because that's something that's always been stressful for me is when I say something or I'll share a video online and people are like, tell me more, how do I do this? And I desperately want to give them every single step. But a lot of times it's like, well, go, go buy this, go buy my course, buy my guide. And then people are like, oh, you're just trying to get money. I'm like, no, it's just that I laid it out step by step for you. And it's so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was so excited to see that you laid out a book because you're so right. You know, you can, people can get little tidbits from your video, um, but piecing it together ourselves is hard Yeah, um, and kind of, I mean, possible, but it takes longer. Yeah. Okay. So when you talk about having the steps, the step-by-step laid out in your book, um, my one thought, and this is something I kind of fell into because you're talking about mindset and time management and things like that. And this is something I've heard, heard or seen from other people is that sometimes I think when we're already in like that goal mode, you have come across people who like just use the steps for healing as like one more thing to burn themselves out. Do you know what I mean? Like I used to be like, I'm going to wake up at 5am. I'm going to meditate and I'm going to journal. I'm going to, like, yeah. and I just made myself even more tired.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's this temptation to add more when people need less or they just need to like, uh, when I. I talk about in personal care, there's like this personal care pyramid I have. And uh, one of the elements that we talk about is lifestyle design. And for some people, like their ideal lifestyle that they're building towards is like, I want to work from home full time or like, I want to, you know, uh, figure out systems. So instead of working 40 hours a week, I can just work, you know, 25 hours a week. And those are great. But for a lot of people, those are ambitious. A lot of really burned out people just want to work like 45 hours a week again. Like they are literally working 10 hour days. They're working on the weekends. They are desperate to get back to just a, a shorter work day, like everything else be damned. Like they're not worried about waking up earlier to, uh, you know, make it to the yoga class. And, they're not trying to do anything fancy. Like, well, I really want to like start hosting dinner parties. Like those things are, are off the table. And so I think there's always that temptation to like add in the fancy bells and whistles. But, um, one of the graphics that I have in the book is like, it's a little, it's a sailboat and there's rips in the flags and there's a hole in the boat. And a lot of people try to mend the flag first, um, to get to go faster. That's like optimizing, but the hole in the bottom of the boat, like it doesn't matter how fast you're going if the boat's sinking because you're not addressing one of the true crucial issues. Um, and so you have to be really clear about what's a hole in the boat versus what's a rip in the flag and start with the hole in the boat, even though it's less sexy. It is not as fun to like get eight hours of sleep. It's like, ew, I don't want to get eight hours of sleep. I want to have enough free time to like do my hobby. You probably need eight hours of sleep first.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good metaphor. Um, and I'm such a patch the sale kind of person, <laughs> like, um, but it's so tough in like for my brain, at least I've always struggled with like, what is the hole in the boat and what is the sale?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, how, do you have like some, I know everyone's going to be different, but like anything that kind of can help people kind of figure out which is which.
0: Yeah. I would say the hole in the boat is the thing that will sabotage anything else that you do. So if you really need to switch jobs, it the, everything else that you do is cosmetic Um, until you get your resume together, reach out to your network and like, and, and the job like feel right now finding a job is an absolute nightmare. So I'm not trying to minimize that, but you, it's like, that's your priority and all of the other little things that we try to do in an effort to make that reality feel better. It's, it might be nice, but your energy would be better spent trying to, do that one thing that would make the biggest difference because odds are, if you change that one thing, if you do find yourself at a different job, then everything else would kind of just fall back into place. So I think most people know what their biggest stressor is. It's just resistance to addressing it and trying to work around it. Yeah. Oh, totally. So
1: that's what I, I share that a lot when I talk about, so we downsized our house by 2000 square feet. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something I share a lot, but it was hard to kind of, I love the way you're saying, it, cause this is something I've tried to say to people. I'm like, find your big thing, find the big thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like, we were stressed about the finances. We, you know, we were stressed about the finances. We hated how much time and upkeep it took. And it was taking so much time for my day when, like I said, I had so many other things to do. I still had my kids to take care of. I still had a business that I was trying to run. I didn't want to spend three hours cleaning my house at, at the end of it all. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, Oh, this, this is the problem. And we need to get rid of it. Um, wow. but like probably like what you experience or when you have people who, yeah, need to switch the job or need to get rid of the big thing, you know, the the hole in the boat is um God, tell me if this is something you experience or when you work with clients or things like that. Is that uh that fear of losing all the time and energy we put in. I can't mm-hmm. think of what it's called right now because I'm just I know what you're talking about. It yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm like well, yeah, the sunken cost fallacy. Um you know, where it's tough to walk away, but I got to this point where I was like, I like, forget it. I just have to walk away. Whatever I lose, I lose whatever yeah. setback, setbacks I have. I have them. And I just need to get to this next place. I need this less. I need it less. Uh-huh. Um, do you have that a lot with people who are kind of afraid
0: to pass uh-huh. the whole in the boat, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and this, especially when you have a cluttered life, like, you know, where you need to start cutting things out. Like if, if no feelings were going to be hurt and nothing was going to be that hard, you know, what you would cut out, who you would cut out, all of that. It's just all those other elements that make it a little bit stickier. But like when it comes to like, well, I worked like this hard to get this house. And so I should may, I should keep it for, you know, at least this amount of time to see if it's me or if it's really the situation or like, I already got my like deg- my law degree So, and I, I'm only two years into this field. If I leave now, I feel like I did it for nothing. I need to stay, even though I'm so incredibly miserable, I need to stay for X amount of time or like, um, started getting my master's degree. And it turns out I don't really want it. I don't think it'll be that helpful, but I already spent $20,000 on it. Or like, I'm a part of these friend groups and I don't feel like I can withdraw. I've already spent so many years being these people's friends. I should stick it out. Like, it's not fair you know, I don't want to make them feel bad. There's so many areas of life where we just waste time feeling bad and then not taking action. And it is so much more... I don't want to say rewarding, but you get to live your life a lot faster and better when you take action. Um, And there's usually a middle ground. Like it's usually not all or nothing. Like you could try to go part-time at your job or do something that's adjacent to that field um, instead of just dropping it all together. Like you could probably just tell those friends, hey, I got to go down to like seeing you guys once a quarter. I'm just in a really busy season. Love you, see ya. And then just create space without dropping the friendships. Like you can find middle grounds for things, but in the moment, it just feels like, I, I, I'm trapped. Like I'm stuck in this corner because of my relationship with these things.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. And that's, I, I feel that I've experienced that. I kind of feel like I'm in a transition phase like that for myself right now, where I'm like, oh shoot, I'm going to have to do that thing where I <laughs> let go of some stuff that I've, you know, been doing too much of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you say that there's little bits, you know, I tend to be one of those people who where I can fall into that. It has to be an all or nothing. Yeah. And then you know, I've heard this from other people. I know this from myself. When I fall into that all or nothing, a lot of times we just, it's
0: just the nothing then. Yeah. Like, well, it's too much. So I just won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All or nothing is very tempting. And it's a big mentality that people who experience a lot of burnout um, have. Great.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I say. Like I started adapting. A, I call it a half-ass, half-assing my life. has a- been just the best saver. Cause it's like giving myself permission to like, I don't have to try hard. I don't have to go all in. I don't have to do it all. Um, but I think a lot of us have like learned that that kind of mentality
0: is lazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially if you're a high achiever, like by nature, I mean, like I grew up with, you know, getting all of the perfect attendance awards, like all of the honor roles, all of like, you know, MVP on sports teams, like just the just being used to a certain amount of praise and then you go out into the adult world and it feels like if I'm going to, you know, maintain this high achiever, people see me as somebody who tries hard, like all of this, I have to give my all, like I have to give a certain amount. And if I don't, then I'm just one of the, one of the average people. And like, you, you have to be okay with being, Average and like once you are, you're free. You don't have to like always be at a hundred percent. It's draining, and you really don't get that much further by being at a hundred percent versus eighty percent. It's still doing a really bang up job, but also having some peace in your life. Um, so give yourself permission to live at eighty.
1: Yeah, I love that, and that's I had kind of that talk with myself this past year, where it was like, would I be like, can I be okay with just being ordinary? Which sounds so dumb. Because like, yes, we're all just ordinary, but I think, you know, like you said, it can have that mentality that I have to be doing the big giant things. And the more I give myself permission to just, yeah, do the 80%, do the less, I feel better and I somehow accomplish more. (laughs) Like I get all the things done
0: yeah absolutely um that reminds me of there's they did this experiment and it was uh like they had artists some they had split this group of artists up some of them were trying to create one really good piece by the end of the semester and the others had to create as many good pieces as they could and so they were focused on quantity and the other group was focused on quality and the group that focused on quantity and just got just created so much more their pieces were better than the people who like took one photo at the beginning of the semester and tried to perfect it when you do things in volume like when you allow yourself not to focus on one thing and make that one thing perfect and you just keep creating you're going to end up with a better result and a lot of times we like live our life like i pick this thing i gotta do this one thing perfectly and it's like you would not only probably feel better, you would end up with a better result if you just let yourself do things faster and let things fail and just pick something new when you're tired of the old.
1: That's, I love that. Um, and I've, I've heard of that too. And that's so true because I think, I think it was photographers, which is funny, but like that, that we're in that art class, if if we're thinking of the same one and the idea makes me so stressful of like, I have to take a perfect photograph. I would yeah. never take pictures of that. You know what I mean? Because you're like, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. That's not good. enough. You know what I mean? You would just yeah. keep pausing and putting it off. Um, and I love that you said that because when I first started my blog, I started my blog in 2017. And I I was really, I had to get really okay with just putting out crappy <laughs> blog posts. <laughs> and it, my mentality behind it was like, I had read so many books from like successful people, people who had done well. And I was like, oh, one thing that I'm noticing with all these stories is that they failed a lot in different ways. So I'm like, I guess I just better hurry up and start failing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I love that. It's like, uh, I saw something that was, it was geared toward people who are like getting comfortable posting online, but it was like, if you were told that you're not going to blow up until your hundredth post, you'd be posting so quickly in order to get to that number a hundred, but we don't see it that way. And we don't realize, you know, that we're every single failure is just another step towards the success. And instead we just like lament in the failure. And that's such a waste of time on your route to success. Just keep going.
1: Yeah. Oh, it totally is. And I nice. still... So- fall into that. And it's always, sometimes I think we have perceived failures. Like they're not, we didn't really fail.
0: Yeah. we like tell ourselves we failed before we even did it. And it's like, you didn't even do it. Let other people tell you that like, no, or that you failed. You didn't even let them. You just like, no, and then shut down. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so true. And I think a lot of times I'm so the the comparison
1: game, the comparison game is the worst. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I honestly feel like um because I got married earlier this year and oh my gosh, the wedding industry is a lost its mind. And like that compare just thinking of comparison game, because I was just watching a video where they were talking about weddings and nowadays and comparing them and expectations that we have around things like that. I feel like the more you realize like the more you believe in this has to do with burnout too, because I used to take life so incredibly seriously, the more you um realize or not realize but just like keep top of mind that we're just like on this rock floating in space and it's a miracle we're even alive and this is like sitting in this room zooming like what the hell where like this is all of this is just so incredibly just happenstance that it's like why are we taking things so seriously like you can just kind of fuck around and do whatever you want. And we instead create these little boxes and then like kill ourselves trying to live in them. And I think that having my own business really taught me that where it's like, wait, I can kind of just do whatever I want with this. And then when I was planning the wedding, I was like, I actually hate every step of this. Let's just, invite a dozen people rent out a house and like do only the things that we want to do. And it was like, wait, we can do whatever we want. And there really is no consequence. And if people are going to have that hurt of feelings for something that wasn't like malicious towards them, it's just a choice that maybe they would have done differently. Like that's, I'm not going to live my life around that. That's ridiculous. So, um, it's just the, like knowing that you don't have to take yourself so seriously will set you free.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. And I, I relate to that on such a deep level. That's something I've been repeating to myself. So I loved the late spiritual self-help teacher, Wayne Dyer, but he always, he, in one of his talks, he says like, stop taking yourself so damn seriously. So I've been having to say that to myself. Yeah. And I love that you chose to do your wedding your way. We just rewatched parts and rack. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but I noticed in that in that show, instead of like, cause I grew up watching friends. I love my, my sitcoms, but in friends, it was like, we have to have this big, beautiful wedding. It has to be amazing. And parks and rec was like, let's just get married at city hall. It'll be cute. You know what I mean? And just kind of like, I love that they downplayed it, that it didn't have to be this big thing. Mm -hmm. Now my question to you is, and maybe it was way easier for you than it is for me. Sometimes I struggle with like knowing what I want, like you know, like, how would I look, how would this look if I wanted to do it my way? Like my wedding, how would this look if I wanted to do it my way? 12 people in a house sounds like something I've never heard of anyone else do before. So how did you know that that's even what you wanted? After our family downsized our house, we started working to pay off debt and build an actual savings because for decades I would transfer hundred dollars to our savings account, but then I would end up transferring it right back to our checking when we had overspent. So when we downsized, I decided to get serious about saving money for things like emergencies and for fun things like travel. The first thing I did was open a high-yield savings account that was separate from our current checking account. That way, it wouldn't be as easy for me to just pull money out whenever I felt like I needed it, and I knew it would force me to take my spending and my saving a lot more seriously. So if you are in a similar boat and are hoping to up your game when it comes to saving money, One of the absolute best accounts to get started is called Savings Connect. This is a savings account that pays close to 5% when you set an automatic savings deposit of just $100 per month. This is 11 times the national average, which means if you use a current savings account that's attached to your checking, there's a good chance you are not making nearly enough money. So if you're at a place in life where you're committed to changing your financial future and you actually want to start getting some money in the bank, You can get started with a savings connect account for as little as a hundred dollars just head to renebenis.com forward slash save to learn more and i will fill you in on all of the details that's renebenis.com forward slash save to learn more
0: i and this is the most annoying answer because it's really it's it's applicable to a certain extent I feel like i've always had really strong intuition and just like this feels right to me this does not feel right like and i just know that something how it will feel in the moment so i was like hmm like walking down the aisle hate that. Definitely. I don't want that many people looking at me. It would be more stressful than anything. Um, I don't like parties where I am the focus, um, because I feel like I'm just making small talk the whole time and don't get to enjoy the party or like pick and choose who I'm talking to. Um, I wanted, it was really important to me because when I go to other weddings, I just pick things that I know I like. And I was like, knowing that that was something I wanted to incorporate. So I really like when there's super high quality food. I wanted to do like a multi-course meal for people. And I knew I can only do that with a small group. Um, I wanted, like, I, I could just imagine what it would be and then know what would feel right. And I think that that's helped me a lot in like, even like jobs that I've had in the past where I'm like, how would this feel going in day to day? The title is really cool. Like, this would be a great experience. It would look really good on my resume, but how will I actually feel when this is the reality of, you know, 8 9 10 hours of my day and knowing that that's not the job that I want to take like it's not worth the status and the you know perceived accolades if you don't actually like how it feels every day and so I feel like in those moments I I can just really put myself into what it is and then make that decision based on that and just like ride with it and be okay with however it turns out
1: you are speaking my love language in so many ways. <laughs> like <maybe> not my <laughs> love language, I'm like the multi-course, multi-course meals. I'm like yes, like I love quality, amazing food that's so fantastic. Uh, but also the intuition. I was hoping you would like as you were leading into I'm Like, well, she's going to say it yeah. because you're right. It's something that people don't want to hear. But the more I've spoken to more women, specifically women, um, the more I hear that a lot of them have deep intuition, but a lot of times we ignore it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And I've had to like filter through and kind of, cause I was just journaling about this literally before we got on our call today. <laughs> um, I'm like, I think I have two distinct, like, or at least one distinct voice in my head. That's like, she's really optimistic and peppy. And she like thinks everything is a great idea. But then I just, am like, Oh, and I just disappear and get lost in that great idea versus like, I know that intuition is like, she can hold the vision and she knows what's right. But like the super excited girl just gets pulled in all the different directions of like, Oh my gosh, that would be so much fun. And that would be so much fun. And that would be so much fun. Um, and like trying to find and like, listen to the calm knowing that I have versus my (laughs) like ADHD type brain or whatever you want to call it, you know, um, has been such a big challenge, but I think it's so amazing that you seem so grounded and confident in being able to follow that voice.
0: Thank you. I, I really, I mean, I agree with what you say so much where it's just tuning into it. And honestly, I give so much credit to my parents. Like that's the biggest benefit that I have had in my journey is they were just like, they would give me the space to be like, well, what do you think? Or like, what do you want to do? And like, sit with it. Like, there's no rush. I think a lot of times when we're figuring out how to listen to ourselves, we're rushed and it's like, okay, make your decision quickly. Like, and if you make it wrong, these are all the consequences of this thing. Like they very much let me fuck around and find out and just like, do like, learn how to do that. And it's, and it's not necessarily parents' fault, but like in today's world, parents are so busy that it's so hard to slow down and give your kid that, you know, the 10 minutes they need to decide on a snack or whatever it is. Like, I don't have a kid, so I'm just coming up with a scenario, but like, it's hard to, when you're in a rush, like my parents were not really ever in a rush. Like they had very, you know, my dad delivered for UPS. So when he came home, his job was done. My mom worked for the state. And so her computer was at work. There wasn't even a laptop. So they would come home. There wasn't social media. So they weren't on their phones. Like. We lived a very slow life and so they got to slow parent and then I got to like slow grow into myself and learn how to listen to myself. Um, And that was just such a benefit that I, I, it's so hard to get nowadays.
1: No, you're so right. I love the the term slow parenting. I've never heard that. I don't think, but I love it. And that was, I homeschooled my kids for about the first five years of their schooling, uh, largely because I was like, I really want them to know who they are, be able to stand in it. Like it was more than like wanting to, it was like, I just wanted this extra time so that they can really stand in who they are, know who they are. And you're right, not everybody has that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I very much, as you're saying this, I'm like dang, I grew up with a parent who was very like, has to be, has to be go, go, go um, that fast decision. Everything has to be now that really, um, and I think that led to me doing a lot of like things impulsively feeling a lot of anxiety and rush through things. Um, I have had to do some rewiring with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you can like see people when they're thinking like that. Like you can see it in motion. Like I did so many coaching calls where 30 seconds into them talking about their situation, I could write down like, I, it sounds like blank. Like it sounds like you want to leave your job. It sounds like you're unhappy with this. It sounds like you're, you want to start this. And then I would, you could just let them go and they would talk themselves around that for 10 minutes. And then at the end of it, you could still like, that was still the bottom line is like, it still sounds like you want to leave your job. It just sounds like there's this whole mess of what ifs and like all these other things floating around. And that bottom line doesn't change. Like if I follow up with them six months later and they still happen to be in a job, that's still their bottom line. Um, or if they ended up leaving, Then they're finally over that bottom line and they can, they're focusing on something else. But it's like people know what their focus is. They're just, it's just, there's so many. We apply so much pressure to the situation that we're like, well, I can't do that because then all these other factors could be impacted and like all these other, and it's like most of the threats that we perceive are not really that serious, probably won't even happen. Um, Or we underestimate how resilient we are and we underestimate how resilient we'll be in the moment, even if that thing happens, even if that thing happens, you will still find a way to get through it. Um, But we just try to plan around threats so much that we make them up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's, I married to a man who's very much, he's really quick to be like, well, this and this and all the things that could go wrong. Um, and I feel like through my life, I've had like little moments where I've been able to let myself go, let, like, let go of those fears and those worries. Uh, and largely thankfully it was due to that parent who was really anxious. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that a lot. I'm like, I grew up with a, you know, it was my mom. My mom was very anxious, always worried about everything. Everything was going to go wrong. Uh, and I was like, nothing ever happened. So mm-hmm. like, I grew up constantly worried about the things that she was telling me I should be worried about. And I kind of got to this point where I'm like, nothing, none of it ever played out. It was never that big of a deal. So like, I probably shouldn't just worry about, it. and I think I maybe took it too far where I'm like, I will worry about nothing and everything <laughs> like, fine, but you're right. I think that can block so many people mm-hmm. from
0: follow through. Yeah. yeah, definitely and i think especially when you're talking to like high achievers or people pleasers like we we shoot so high and i believe in like aiming high but the bottom line is like, like, I know my parents, if if I could pay my rent, my parents are happy with me. And they're like, yeah, that's fine. Like do what literally whatever you want in your life. As long as like, if I were picking my nose for a living, but I could still pay my rent, they would still like be proud of me. And so it's like, I know I have such a low baseline. Like I can really do whatever and it's going to be fine. Like I'm going to be okay. And I'm still going to be happy and enjoy my day to day. Um, but, then on the other side of that, when you are like aiming as high as possible, it's like, well, I shouldn't be satisfied until I am like, you know, jet setting, I have a house, I have a like dog, I have uh, like all this extra money to buy these things until I'm like, you know, like we're, we're taught to aim so high that we're not satisfied until like, we're never satisfied. But, and instead I'm like the anti-business guru. I'm like, my bottom is so low. Like I, I am doing so well. Like I, as long as I'm paying my rent, like I'm really, I'm killing it out here. So, um, I think being that, and that goes back to that conversation about like being okay, being average and like just kind of falling in the middle and not feeling like you're falling short. If you're not up in the stars with all of that extra stuff. And nowadays with social media, Uh, where where it's just like a everyday, like FOMO, you don't have enough nightmare, but, and media has its good things, but like for the everyday person, like we're in the most consumerism than we've ever, nobody needs 10 blushes. Why, why does everybody have, you know, multiple blushes? So, um, it's just, it's being okay, being average and falling in the middle there and not beating yourself up. Um, and knowing you have a long way to fall and you're still going to be okay. Even if you hit that bottom.
1: Yeah. I love that. And so like, I love what you were saying earlier and we kind of touched on was that like we're just floating in space and and there's so many times that i have to remind myself of that um and i kind of make fun of it. i don't know if you've seen the video it's a jim carrey video and like he's being interviewed on like a red carpet and he just is really like kind of flighty and weird people make fun of it but i like relate to it where he was like none of this matters None of <laughs> none of this matters it's all pointless and So I always have to say that to myself, like none of this matters. None of this is real. It's just like, I don't need to take it as seriously as I think I do. And I also, I've always kind of felt like, um, like you said, I was never really a high achiever in school. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like I relate to a lot of people who are high achievers and I was never really that, um, like I couldn't get the good grades. I struggled with grades, but I feel like I still relate to a lot of the, like, have to have more, have to get this, have to have that. Yeah. And I always felt like I had to push to the next thing I have to make it to this next step. Like if I can envision something I want from life, I need it and I need it now. And something that's helped me so much is like pausing in the moment and being like, I have so much that I really, really wanted. Like I have fuzzy blankets. I have a solid marriage that feels good. I have the health of my children. I have the cozy house that I said I want, you know what I mean? Like I have to like remind myself Yes. Of how much good, like you said, if I can pay my rent, I'm doing fine, you know? Um, yeah. And, and yeah, that there's so many little things that we can still enjoy every
0: single day without having to like, try to get to that next thing. I love that so much. I had to have like a, re- like reality check moment with myself the other day where I was, cause I was like, I should be further. I should have more. And I was like, if this is like, if this is not enough, nothing will ever be enough because you have plenty and everything from here is just a bonus. And there's so many people like, because I work with, you know, people who are doing really well, but are very burned out. But like, they're still not, a lot of them are still not satisfied. And they also, like I have to find, you know, the most appropriate way to say, if this is not enough, nothing will ever be enough. Like you have enough, you, you can relax, you can really relax and enjoy your life at this point. But that's so hard because when you're taught, you know, you should be doing more, doing better. You have more potential where it's like high achievers always feel like they're in debt to their potential and they are in that debt until they like earn their way out of it. And that's such a hard way to live.
1: Yeah, and you're right. It's kind of impossible because, yeah, if, if we don't know how to be content and happy, we kind of have to teach ourselves. You have to tr- kind of train yourself to be content and happy. Yeah. You can get to that point. i like, I think it's OK to, to want more, to want bigger things, to want different things. But if you're constantly living in a chronic state of not good enough, not good enough, you're going to stay there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's like the little things, like I'll find myself giving myself messaging that is around contentness where I'll I'll like be with my husband. I'll be like, we're so lucky that we love each other so much and that we have such a peaceful household. Like so many, like, it's so sad that some people like come home and it's not peaceful. It's the opposite of peaceful. We're so lucky. Like if I'm ever being hard on myself physically, I'm like, what am I talking about? Like, I'm literally so lucky that I woke up feeling good this morning and I can like go around and do whatever I want. Like, shut up. You're so lucky. And it's like these little reality checks where like you call out like, wow, look at like, I I live in this space right now. I'm so lucky. And just acknowledging where you are instead of looking around and being like, oh, this space is not good. Like it could be better, should be better. Like give yourself reality checks.
1: Yeah. And that's, I just... Heard something recently, or had it put, put to me this way, where like you were talking about social media, Um, and that's a big fallback for I think so many people. um, even starting with like Pinterest before it was like super social media. Like I remember Pinterest was like, "Well, my home sucks, and my clothes suck, and my nails suck, and the way I do my makeup is awful." <laughs> you know, yeah. like just, just quick, so quickly spiral. Um, but I just was reading recently, like which I never really thought of, is that you know, we used to like keep up with the Joneses and the Joneses used to be our next door neighbors, people who are within our, our, you know, income range, people who, you know, we could compete with, which we shouldn't compete with anybody anyway, just do your thing. But like, you know, and it would still be within like our financial means where now we're like literally keeping up with the Kardashians. We're trying to keep up with like influencers and everybody else who's not within our range. And it's not realistic for us. And and that could just leave. I think so many of us
0: living in a state of just not enoughness, you know, dissatisfaction. And honestly, it's made me consider not having social media, um, which I, I have to for my business. So I really can't dance around that. But if I didn't have to, I would spend very little time on social media. It just seems like those people are so free. Like they don't, first of all, they're much, do you know how many things I wouldn't have bought If I didn't have social media and I couldn't have ads put in front of me or I didn't see like everybody has this new, you know, a moisturizer, you need it too. Like I would never have fallen for those things. I would just know what I like, use them until they're done and then be done with it and like not feel like there's something else that I should be wanting. And so, yeah, it's, I, there's good and there's bad about being able to keep up with the best of the best definitely leads to some dissatisfaction if unchecked.
1: Yeah. Oh, totally. And that's, I have to try to set limits around myself because you're right. Like I need social media. Um, but I always say, I'm like, I love having learned how to create an income from the internet. I think that creates so much freedom and flexibility. We're able to, you know, through social media, through TikTok, I've been able to reach so many people and have had so many experiences open up to me because of it. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Now there, part of me is like, I just want to disappear into the woods and (laughs) have no Wi-Fi. I don't need anything. I'll live off of my DVDs. I don't need streaming. Just, I want to, there's like two drastic sides to me and trying to create that balance has been key. Yes,
0: absolutely. I don't know if you watched, I think it's The Social Dilemma on Netflix, the show about, okay, it's really good. I've heard a lot, but I haven't seen it. Came out during... COVID, I think it's like a a, a while old, but, um, it talks about how social media or just like media and even TV and stuff like that. It used to just be a tool that you would reach for when you wanted it. And not now it finds you and it gets, gets your attention when it wants you instead. And that like any controls that we can use to make our media simple again, I, I feel like, well, another thing it talks about is we are only accelerating at like you know, this rate at like a 10 and tech is accelerating at like thousands and thousands of light speed. Like it's accelerating so much faster than us. And we're really putting ourselves and like, we're, we're just, uh, de- long-term damaging our own like dopamine receptors and like, you know, our attendance spans and these things, just because we've got some of the smartest minds in the world, figuring out how to make these apps, as addictive as possible from a from a childhood and so we're setting ourselves up for decision fatigue for an inability to really sit in boredom and then like do something slow and creative like i love reading but a lot of times books don't stand a chance against tiktok because uh, like just because you crave the quick hits of dopamine that tiktok gives you versus the just like slow enjoyment of a book so it's like you have to eliminate the competition for yourself and be responsible for putting down the things that put you into that um just kind of zoned out state and like get back to living your life physically.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I hate to say, like, cause I'm like, I love reading books too. And I'm like, there's that part of me to be like, no, I always love my books, but you're right. Like there's those times where I'm like, I just keep picking up my phone and I'm like, I don't even need it. I don't even know what I'm looking at. Um, but I always, always, always feel my mood drop those days when I can't seem to put my phone down, you know, and it could be like, I'm having a bad day, so I can't put my foot down and then I can't put my phone down. So my day gets worse. you know, it's like that vicious cycle of like trying to find happiness through my device. It's not working. So like, yeah, I'm getting nowhere, but I feel that shift. And like, I literally, I was, it was Facebook. I was like scrolling Facebook one day and I like, threw my phone out of my hand like it was on fire because so I was like wow oh, gross this isn't
0: it's making me feel worse with every single scroll yeah yeah absolutely I feel like I was actually just talking to somebody else about this because you get into you know because I was asked like when does social media go from just entertaining to like somehow it's like damaging just because it's it's keeping you from actually living your life and making different choices and it's like everybody knows that switch like you know when you're on something and you're enjoying it versus when you're almost in a trance and you're like compulsively doing it and that is like that is our monkey brain like that is the part of us that wants the dopamine hits and is like consuming against our will almost but it's just habit and it's just like that's when I'm like I'm not gonna let the like tech bro sitting at his desk coming up with these algorithms win. I'm not going to like (laughs) let that like it's designed for this and once you see it as like like almost like tuning out of it out of spite, then, and then like being angry about the fact that it's so well designed that it's doing this to you. Then it's like easier to throw it across the room because it's like, no, I'm not going to let them win. I'm going to go floss or like do something I really need to do. Um, because it's not real. Like all of our phones disappear tomorrow. I mean, like it would be a disaster, but like life still continues. It's just like, but it, can take so much from us too. There's so many kids through adults who are losing their actual physical lives to online lives.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're so right. And that's, it's so funny that you say tech bros. Cause I'm like, that makes it so much easier. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll have to do that. Be like, oh, you think, cause that's, I talk a lot about my shopping addiction and that's where I'm like, I've gotten so good at people. Like, how do you walk through the store and not get tempted? I'm like, because I know they're trying to get me. So I'm like, fuck you like yeah. I'm not gonna let you get you know like I'm gonna ignore you because I know you're trying to get me but yeah. I never really thought about that with social media that's really really good and I swear like that will be so helpful to me like nope imagining the stupid tech tech role behind yeah. you. no nope. you're not getting me today I love it yeah um, and that's what I've done so many things to set in place and I'm wondering I'm gonna ask you too if this has helped with burnout but like I set the limits on my phone. I have like my social media time limits. I don't have any notifications on except for my text message. If I get in a group text, I immediately turn off all of the alerts because I hate that constant Mm -hmm. pinging. Um, And I don't want all those notifications firing off. But do you know, or is that something you talk about is being something that can help maybe even just heal your nervous system so that you're not living so anxious?
0: Yeah, I think that I see this look so different. Like there's some people who are like, if you're in the pit to burnout, like those people are like, oh, like me, social media is not my problem. I literally don't have time to go on my phone like that. They don't even touch it because they're so busy. Like they maybe give, you know, Facebook 20 minutes at the end of the day. That's it. Um, and then there are people who part of what's contributing to their burnout is in between doing their work, they're picking up their phone and they're bouncing between their real life and their, or like their work tech life, their, social media life and then their physical life because usually they'll have like somebody else that like a real physical person that they're also tending to and bouncing between those three different channels that quickly or however many channels it is uh overloads their brain and like by cutting out like that social media thing it really frees up like a whole other channel for them um and then there are people who like you're spending all day on devices like you're always on, um, te- like online. And so those people need to get really clear about what am I doing when, and what's the purpose of it? Because a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm just going to pick up my phone because I don't, I'm bored or I'm challenged. And so I'm going to pick up my phone. Cause I know that it'll do something besides bore and challenge me. And then it's just like you lose an hour or like 45 minutes. Cause you get onto something and it just takes 45 minutes of your day from you. And so if you can get clear about like, why am I going on it right now? Is there a purpose? And if not putting it down, it's turning it back into a tool instead of uh, something that we use as, you know, like a sucker for our brain.
1: Yeah, that's such a good point. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to pay more attention. Um, Cause I think I could easily say, I just pick it up when I'm bored, but I'm going to go ahead and say that there's probably <laughs> some deeper reason why, you know, those times when I can't seem to stop. Yeah. Um, We'll get ready to wind down here because I know we're coming, kind of coming to an end, but I just wanted to ask you too, because you were talking about the algorithm and how they keep us on. I've gotten really okay with when I notice my social media consumption is too much. I just delete the apps. I delete them for like a weekend or for however long I feel like I need it. And I, I realize how often I pick it up then. It's like really aware, but I don't know if you know this, um, like TikTok, Instagram, they will wipe out any drafts you have. So like oh. any video drafts that I've created are completely wiped out when I delete TikTok. And I'm like, I wonder if that's a way for them to like, I mean, keep you on the app because you lose everything you've created. And sometimes I just, I just have to be okay with it because I want it gone. But
0: yeah, I'm sure it frees up a lot of storage in your phone, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they use that as an incentive. I mean, everything, I mean, once you learn about the manipulation behind a lot of these apps, it really, it, it makes you, it's it's like how the create the creators of plastic, like big plastic, they don't use plastic because they know how bad it is for you. Um, that being, I'm not saying that in a judge I definitely use plastic, microwave things in plastic, who knows what that's going to do over time. It's, you know, that's the tomorrow problem. But like, it's like when you know, you don't, like the how the tech, people don't let their kids use social media and how the people like eye doctors don't actually get LASIK eye surgery. Like the people who know things, the average person doesn't know, like look at what they're doing. And a lot of times it's not what the average consumer is doing. So like these tech people, they know I'm not letting my kids on these things. I know the algorithms behind them. I know what it does long-term. I'm not going to like mess with it. And so we like need to have that same kind of uh, wherewithal and, resistance to it just because it probably isn't great. And so we have to call those shots since people calling the shots might not have our best interest in mind, their company's best interest in mind.
1: Yeah, I love that because I didn't know about plastic or eye doctors not getting LASIK and things like that. I've heard the tech thing before, and I think it's so I think another thing I won't I know I'm keep rambling, but it can be so tough to be like the oddball, the weirdo. I shared a TikTok funny enough. Uh, years ago, and I was just trying to share like a fun idea because I was like, our kids don't have phones or laptops in the car ride, and we're doing like a cross country twenty hour car ride trip, so I was like, we always get them a new book like this is a fun tradition we do so that they get a new book ride, they look forward to the books, and people just slammed me and were like freaking out um. But I think, and then I felt like some people who were like, had been like my mutual like friends, like mom friends, stop speaking to me. I, I think there could just be so much hate if you go against the grain and say like, I'm not on social media much or my kids don't get tablets, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it feels like a person, like I can, I, like for them, it's probably like, this is triggering to me because like, it makes me defensive because I do something different. And uh, I don't know why we can't like coexist just doing things differently as much anymore. Um, and that is, you know, uh, for cosmetic things, not for like true life threatening people in danger things. But like for something like that, it's, it's really just a difference. in. I mean, wh- what do they ex- expect? Like you know, there weren't tablets X many years ago and people still made cross-country trips. It's, right, it's <laughs> that we do these things. So, um, yeah, I think that there could be so many conversations around that, but
1: I, I, I know, I know it's a heavy thing, but I'm like, it can be so tough. I think to be the oddball out, but knowing that it's good for you and your mental health and your kids or beyond, it's, you know, kind of can put a blanket over everything else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see where media takes us over time
1: (laughs) i i want to disappear into the woods i'm telling you (laughs) well this was amazing emily i'm so glad we got to talk and i feel like i could keep forcing you to talk to me for the next hour um but thank you so much for joining um and tell everyone about a little bit about your book um and where they can find it i'll be sure to link to it in the show notes too
0: well it's been great thank you for having me um I am on Instagram and TikTok and my handle is Emily B. Ruth. And um I have a website. It's ww.emybaliseros.com, which is linked on my social medias. And um I, again, just do corporate training. I have a book coming out uh, in February and it's available for pre-order. And then uh, I think that's all all of my like end of everything spiel. Did I miss anything? No, <laughs> okay. well, so what's the book called? I don't think we've actually said that. Uh, it's called The Cure for Burnout.
1: Okay, perfect. The Cure for Burnout on pre-order and it comes out in February. Yes. That's so exciting. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription, and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.